And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host tonight, Kathy Amos, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. Today, we are going to give a recap of the IU women's record-setting season, where they finished with a 28-4 and record. But let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And gang, tonight... Our banner moment for me came last Tuesday on March 21st, the day after the season ended with a loss to Miami at the NCAA tournament. And while that might sound weird to be talking about our banner moment coming almost immediately following the loss, I think it was really an all-day kind of banner moment for us on Twitter. This is because if you were on Twitter and you watched, there was post after post after post coming out showing a huge outpouring of love and appreciation for Grace Berger, who had officially played her last game as a Hoosier. Grace gave five years of her life to IU basketball, coming to us from Louisville. So for our banner moment, I think we should continue our appreciation of Grace with a short recap of her career. So as a freshman, Grace played all 34 games and started five of them. She averaged 5.5 points per game her first year, and every year after that, she started every game that she ended up playing in. She finished her career scoring 12.4 points per game for her, her career average and a total of 1,841 points. She averaged 3.9 assists over her career for a total of 573 573 assists, and she led the Hoosiers to three back-to-back NCAA appearances. But I think more important than any of those numbers is the lasting difference Grace made to the program, her teammates, and the fans. And this was all shown at all of the love that everybody showed her on Twitter the day after her last game. She will always be remembered as one of the all-time greatest to put on an IU jersey and will always be a Hoosier. So thank you to Grace. And as always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing lines, so you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. And March Madness is still going on, so keep your eyes out for even more new stuff coming out. And not only do you get quality apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off if it's your first order. Again, that promo code is HOME for 15% off. The website, homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. So Jeff, I'll just give a quick blurb on a few other headlines that have come out um, since the last time we talked last week. So um, continuing on with Grace Berger, um, she did, as expected, officially entered the draft with it being her last year. Um, not to forget Alyssa Geary, it was also her last game of uh, and as an IU Hoosier. Um, Mona Zarek and Keandra Brown entered the transfer portal and some attendance numbers started to come out and through the door total attendance for home games for the entire season this year was 145,868 attendance, which dwarfed the previous high of 86,149 and is most likely to be a top five in the country.
All right. Next, we'll uh, kick it over to Coach Marlowe for Coach's Corner. So, Jeff, what are your initial thoughts about any of the headlines or anything else that's on your mind related to Indiana basketball? Uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of your uh, banner moment and also realize that it, it, the last three seasons, Grace took us to the NCAA tournament. She was also part of a team that went in 19 as well as a freshman, and then they would have made it in 20. Uh, so obviously we wouldn't have got the fifth year without the without the COVID situation. So we got to enjoy an extra year of Grace Berger that, we, that normally we wouldn't get. And I think that's one of the things that you're going to see as we go through the next couple seasons are kids that players that we're finally going to be out of this. Do they have a COVID year left? We're really getting to that point. You know, last, you know, I think next year may actually end up being the last year that there are people with a COVID year left. Uh, maybe the year after I've lost a little bit of track, but it, it's, it's going to wind down is what I'm saying. But I think what you're going to talk about with Grace Berger. And again, for those who don't know, listen on the podcast. And, and last year we had the Grace Berger show and I co-hosted that with Grace. Uh, when you have the discussion about greatest players in Indiana women's basketball history, if Grace is not at the top of the list, she is certainly going to be in the discussion. You look at the points she put up, the rebounds she put up, and the assists. She did something that no women's player, and I don't think a men's player, had ever done prior to her showing up on campus at IU. Um, but it's more that's like you said, Kathy, it's more than the stats. It's it, it was the intangibles. It was the leadership. And I remember talking with her a couple different times on the Grace Berger show that she learned a lot from Allie Patbert. And, and Allie was kind of the one who, you know, saw something in Grace, kind of drug her to the cook hall. And, and then that became the thing. And you listen to the players talk now that, um, you know, kind of emotional after the game where if, I'm sure many of our fans saw Sydney Parrish talking about one of the reasons she came back to Indiana was to play with Grace Berger, the fact that Grace was here. Um, so I think that leadership is something that's going to really be missing. When we get into talking about next year, and we're not going to do that for a while, but when we really get into talking about next year, I think one of the things we're going to want to know is who is going to be that leader. And it wasn't just so much leadership. Grace Berger wanted the ball at crunch time. We saw that time and time and time again throughout her career. And 98% of the time, she was successful at crunch time by either making a play or finding somebody to, or, or getting the shot or making a play to get somebody else open. And unfortunately for her, it just didn't work out in the game against Miami. She she had the ball. She got in the lane. That's a shot that she's hit yeah. many, many times. But I, I think that you were spot on with the banner moment that when you look, when we look back, Grace Berger is going to be in that discussion for greatest player in the history of IU women's basketball. And, and I don't, and I think that's going to go on and on. And even Terry Morin said that recruiting Grace Berger was a huge, they felt was a huge get for them back in the day. And I think it proved out that Grace Berger, who may not have been a top 20 recruit on, you know, and on a rating, but proved that she was quite possibly one of the 10 most important recruits in her senior class for the school that got her, um, especially. So, um, and so I want to kind of piggyback off that. I did not, I will say this, I was not surprised by uh, Zarek or Brown being in the portal already. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, um, uh, Zarek had not got much time in her two years. <laughs> um, Brown had fought some injuries here the last couple of years, but I think Lily Meister had kind of taken those minutes. And I think going into next year, Lily was going to continue to get more of those minutes. 
So I think that's something that, you know, Keandra probably saw and she wanted to get some more playing time. Uh, hopefully she will get healthy. Uh, that yeah. was, uh, that was the one bad thing about this year. She never really, really got healthy to really give us, uh, some of the contribution we thought we might get from her. Uh, but she, she was by, but again, another great teammate. I think that's the one thing you can say yeah. about these players who have come through the last four or five years, and especially who have now graduated over the last couple of years, great teammates, great teammates. And I think yeah. that's something that, that this, the, the staff looks for. And I think that's something they will continue to look for. Yeah, I absolutely agree with those sentiments. And, you know, back to Grace and her leadership, just uh, kind of I was looking back as I was preparing for the show tonight and I was looking back at our um, Game Ball and Hustle Awards and, you know, um, Grace ended up um, winning uh, eight Game Ball Awards and four and a half Hoosier Hustle Awards. The interesting thing for me was of those eight, Grace got five of them out of our last six games. So it was something where, you know, especially as, you know, Mac got her knee kind of banged up again and we needed somebody else to step step up. Grace was always there. And that leadership, I thought, really shone down the end end of the stretch. So um, absolutely. And, ever. Sorry, go nope, go ahead. No, I just want to say we're, for those watching on the YouTube live feed uh, and and for Phil and, and the workaholics, I, you, you're right, Phil. I shouldn't say it just as a women's basketball player. She is going to go down as one of the great IU basketball players in history, regardless of gender. Yeah. So, Phil, thank you for pointing that out in the workaholics. Absolutely. So, all right, well, let's move on then to the, the um, topic of our show tonight, which is to recap the season. So I thought this was timely to do it as soon as, you know, we could, even though the, the tournament's still going on and that sting for Miami is, is still there. Uh, and I just, I thought it was good to just go back mm -hmm. and for me, at least it was a bit cathartic to go back and relook at the season, right? Just looking at that record, 28 and four, 28 and four, uh, I just want us all to remember that the, it was a season as a whole. It wasn't just the one game against Miami at the end. So I thought it was really timely for us to do this and just remember as a whole what the season meant to the whole program and how wonderful it really was and what a what a fun ride it was. So um, we'll kind of break it down into some non-conference, some conference, and then some post our postseason games. Um, so we'll just quickly um, touch on the first three non-conference games. The first one was actually an exhibition against Kentucky Wesleyan, who we beat 46, excuse me, 86 to 43, opening the regular season at home against Vermont with a win of 86 to 49, and then at home again against UMass Lowell, where we won 93 to 37. So Jeff, anything that you can remember about those games that kind of jumped out to you? The the one for me is the Vermont game where it was kind of Garzon's kind of introduction to us as a freshman and she, she ended up getting our game ball and she shot something like five of eight from three point and was like 19 points. So that was really our first introduction I thought to Garzon and what kind of player she could be for us in the future. But beyond that, is there anything else for Vermont or UMass or the exhibition too? No, they went about as expected. I think we were all figuring that those games were going to be wins and it was really, everybody was waiting for that next game. They were going to go on the road to Tennessee, go to Knoxville and play what everybody thought was going to be a very good Tennessee team, especially yeah. in the preseason. Yeah, so Tennessee, um, we'll just quickly move on to that. They did go down to, to Tennessee at the time. Tennessee was ranked 11, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time. They were just coming off that loss to Ohio State. They might have had a game in between there, but that was that game where Tennessee was just up by double digits against Ohio State, and then Ohio State really started pressing them at half and then came back um, 
and, and beat Tennessee. And then um, we went down to Tennessee and yes, they were ranked 11th at the time. And we won that game 79 to 67 on the road um, in front of a almost 8,000 person crowd. But what else stands out to you from that Tennessee game? Well, like you said, Ohio State had already beaten them and it's kind of exposed a little bit of their guards. But I think Ohio what Ohio State showed in that game was that when they were healthy, their their pressure and their ability to create offense from their defense was going to be something people struggled with. And they showed that in the NCAA tournament as well. Um, and a lot of that was because J.C. Shelton got healthy. Uh, when we got, you know, when we played them, and we're going to talk a little bit later, so I'll save that, I guess. But yeah. um, um, but we got a little lucky down in Knoxville because the either the best or second best player for Tennessee did not play that night. She was battling an injury. So that helped. But that was a game we got out to a double-digit lead. And I want to yeah. say we came out in the third, I think it was the third quarter, got off to a really slow second half start, which kind of became a little bit of a theme at times throughout mm -hmm. the first half of the season where we get leads and then kind of have a slow, slowish, sluggish third quarter. And then Grace Berger put us on her back and she made plays. And when yeah. that happened, then Indiana was able to stretch the lead back out. And, you know, you get out of Knoxville with a 12 point win. I'll take that any day of the week is maybe the way it happened because we'd been up double digits lost that late. I want to say Tennessee came all the way back and tied it. And then, like I said, grace made plays and we won by 12 going away. And I think, you know, that was when I think everybody realized that this team had something a little bit special because there was a little bit more offensive firepower than we'd had with the previous team or two. And, and it was going to come from different places, but we still had that player in grace Berger to make plays down when we needed them. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and to your point with the third quarter, that was the only quarter that they outscored us, although it wasn't by much, but they did outscore us 20 to 17. And yes, Grace got her game ball in that game. A testament again to her toughness. And she had a double double in that with 13 points and 10, 10 rebounds. And of course then um, six assists as well. So um yeah, really just a great game, I thought, all, all around. And that was just an interesting, uh, I think, test for us as a team because we didn't know what we were getting with all the new players and how they were going to gel. And I think that was our first introduction to the fact that, you know, we've been hearing in the offseason how much the team had bonded. I think mm -hmm. we saw that on the court down in Tennessee that night. Um, okay, well, moving on then to the next set of games, then um, I'll just kind of group them together in the next four. So we had Bowling Green at home, where we won 96-61. We had Quinnipiac at home, where we won 92-55. Then we went on the road to that Las Vegas International Invitational game. So we had Auburn 96-81 that we won, and then Memphis 79-64. Um, the the point here and I think in this four game stretch it was the Auburn game which is where Grace got hurt um, so that was probably the big headline of those four but what else um, sticks out to you in those four games well Grace getting hers the big headline but the bigger headline was what a fiasco that whole thing in Las Vegas turned out to be they thought yes. they were getting a different facility they were going to be playing in they ended up basically in a ballroom at a hotel with not a very good situation and unfortunately your best player gets hurt now she could have got hurt in any other setting i mean i'm not blaming the setting per se for her injury because it was just one of those yes. 
collision type injuries. But it it was not what they thought they'd signed on to. And I think that they, along with other teams, were very disappointed and thought that, you know, and it got it, to a certain degree, Kathy, and you, and I want to get your opinion on this. It kind of it was that you just got that feeling that they treated it like women's basketball and thought they should just be happy yeah. being in Las Vegas. And that's not where the women's game is now. The women's game expects no. to have facilities as equal to what a men's tournament would, or a men's shootout, whatever you want to call it, would have had in Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully they've gotten the message this year with attendance numbers up, viewing numbers are up. Um, <laughs> um, not to, I don't want to get into other teams, another thing that's not the purpose of the show, but, you know, I'm hearing tickets for the m women's NCAA Final Four are actually selling for higher than the men's right now. The um, viewership on that last um, Iowa-Louisville game was actually higher than any NBA game that ESPN had viewership up. So hopefully, um, Outlets are starting to get the picture that, you know, this isn't um, this isn't just women's basketball, just in quotes for those of you not watching. I, it is it is a lot more. It's growing in popularity and it's growing in viewership. And you have to start giving that the respect that it, it deserves. So, yes, it felt like um, it was just an afterthought for whoever put that on. The star quality helps. I mean, and I know yeah. people don't want to hear it on this broadcast, but Caitlin Clark draws viewers, but she's not the only one. Paige Beckers was drawing viewers before she got hurt. There are yeah. others. Aaliyah Boston is Aaliyah drawing Boston. viewers. There, there are a lot of, uh, there are stars now in the women's game more so than we've seen in the past. There's always been the Diana Tarazi. There's always been that UConn special kid um, uh, along with that. But there's more teams with more stars now. And, and you take a look. We'll talk a little bit about you know, Ohio State in a little bit. But Cody McMahon is a star. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're yeah. going to start drawing more viewers in. And I think it helps, Kathy, again, kind of your opinion. But when you see NBA players that will tweet about watching the women's game and how much respect they have for watching the women's college game, it's different. They, they'll admit that. It's not, it's not playing above right. the rim but that they appreciate and respect what the women are doing in terms of the things they do on the court, the fundamentals they play with, and some of the concepts. We saw this from the IU men's team. They borrowed a play, a kind of yeah, a staple from play from Terry Morin. So yeah. uh, the game is growing, and it's going to continue to grow. And I think partially because more and more teams have stars. The girl uh, Seagrass from Villanova draws people to watch. When you put up 50, people are going to see it. And I think that's, you know, and we're seeing that with the ratings. We're seeing that with the attendance numbers. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, you see all kinds of tweets and, oh my gosh, I mean, if you watch any of the women's games too, um, anybody who says that women's college basketball is not physical has never watched one of their games. Um, they No, they may not dunk, um, although there have been dunks in yes. games, but it, it's rare. It's very rare. You're probably not going to see any dunks, but if you want to see a lot of hard-nosed basketball with a lot of these um, high-end teams right now, and the, the parody is getting there too, right? I mean, we had um, two number one seeds not even make it to the, the final four, which is very unusual. Didn't make it to the uh, Sweet 16. The Sweet at 16. Thank you. Yes, I was trying to correct myself there, and the, which was, I think, the first time ever. And you're starting to see a lot more parity now. Um, it, it's going to take a while to, to get to where the men's game is in terms of, you know, we had a lot more parity, obviously, in the men's side this year. But the men's side used to be that way as well. Right. Yep. And so we're, you know, we're, we're getting there and it just, I think it's going to take some time, but I think the the growth this year from women's basketball in terms of popularity, the product they're putting on the court and the fact that people are starting to open their eyes and watching it more, I think is just a big testament to that. And I 
don't think we'll ever see anything like that in Vegas again. I really hope not anyway. I so. hope not either. And and I will say this, I think, you know, I'm a huge, I, I am a huge Gino fan. I respect everything Gino RM has done at UConn and what he has built. But one of the best things that happened to the women's game this year was UConn getting beat yes. in the sweet 16 and Ohio state yeah. did it easily. It was really not a close game. Now, again, UConn had injuries. FUD wasn't probably a hundred percent. Paige Beckers didn't play all year. But I think it helps the growth of the game is what I mean by yeah. it. I'm, I'm saying I'm glad UConn lost because I'm, I'm a UConn hater. But it yeah. helps with that, for that <laughs> what you're talking about. It gives the yeah. perception that there's more parity in the game. And I think there is. You know, UConn hasn't won a title since, what they say, it 2016. Is. But it's the first time they haven't been to the final. Yeah. It's the first time they haven't been to the final four since, what, 2007? So I think it helps the game grow when a team like UConn yeah. isn't the one sucking all the oxygen. Right. And then not just UConn, Tennessee was like that for a while. So yes. th that's the other fun fact. Then we'll move on to the North Carolina game. Yep. This is only the third time ever since the women's um, expanded NCAA tournament, third time ever that either Tennessee or UConn hasn't been in the final four. Mm. Only the third time. So, uh, yeah, to your point. Um, okay, North Carolina. So we go um, at home now, do the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and North Carolina comes to town. This was on December 1st. Um, at the time, North Carolina is ranked sixth, um, and we beat them 87 to 63. Um, so what what do you remember about that North Carolina game that sticks out to you, Jeff? That we look like a top five team. Everybody thought North Carolina yeah. coming in was going to be the beast in the ACC. That they were they were going to be the best team. They and obviously uh, it was set up to be a very good matchup. It was the night after the men had played I had played North Carolina, so you had a, a, another good crowd. Um, but it, we really ran won won that game going away. It was a, it really kind of was not only showcased all the other town around, but if I remember right, Mackenzie Holmes really just dominated in the post that night. And really it was kind of the national coming out party for Mackenzie, if I remember right. Yeah. So let me look here. Mackenzie Holmes. Yes. Ended up with 25 points. Um, I think for me, what sticks out, actually, we gave Sydney Parrish our game ball and that's because she ended up with 24 points <laughs> and that was oh, a yeah. fantastic game from, from Sydney that we um, ended up giving that to her, but yes, Mackenzie also 25 points right there. It was just another all around team effort. You had two other players that were in double digits and um, one, one uh, with yard and Garzon, who was just one point away. So that showed the balance of our team. And one thing, we had always were curious about, I think, as well, coming into the season was what this team was going to look like on offense. We knew defense was going to be the calling card. We weren't sure about offense. And here they do come in, put up 87 points on a number six ranked North Carolina team. Um, and I think that kind of opened our eyes as well to say, hey, I think this team is is. Uh, not just good defensively, they're good offensively too. And we need to watch out. And that was that first big game without grace. Cause grace was going to miss after the yep. Auburn game. She's going to miss great. eight games in a row. And I, there were a lot of questions coming into that North. I remember there were a lot of questions coming in that North Carolina game was, could we handle that kind of team being down one of your best, you know, your best players. Cause be, the year before when McKenzie had been hurt, we hadn't been able to overcome that against a great right. team. And, right. and now that was the question. And we showed that without grace yeah. would be nice to have her, but it was, we showed that, like you said, Sydney Parrish, Sarah Scalia, Sydney Parrish. The, the others, you know, they, they, they all stepped up. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And in there, our um, Chloe Mormiel got her hustle award. So, um, next we played Illinois and Penn state. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about in those two games. Um, we ended up winning both of those Illinois game at home. Well, 65, that Illinois, that other Illinois than the, game, that, sorry, other, Kendra, that, Illinois, that Illinois game ended up being a lot closer than it should have been. That was tied. Was that, that game basically came down to the wire and that's when we kind of realized that Illinois was going to be a much better team than they had yes. been the last couple of years. Yeah, that's where I was trying to go. Sorry. Um, so, I yes, that's you. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's okay. It happens. Um, yeah. So, not much to say other than the fact that Illinois was way tighter than we were expecting, right? I think Illinois last year won only something like four games. Um, and they ended up ranked for a little while this year. So that Illinois game in particular opened our eyes, especially being at home, that um, we we just have to be careful with whoever we're playing. So um, Penn State, we beat them 67-58. Um, that was up at Penn State. So nothing real exciting to say about that one. Um, not our that, best game. Not our best game. No, we got out of there with a win. We got the win. Yep. Yeah, on the road. So we got our first road win um, for Big Ten. So, And then we wrapped up um, the non-conference game at home against our non-conference season at home against Moorhead State, 87-24. to <laughs> talk about some defense in that game. And then Butler, we beat them as well, 67 to 50. Anything else that you want to talk about before we get into the heart of the Big Ten Conference? Well, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I watched that Moorhead State game live, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. I know yeah. our defense <laughs> looks – I know it looks good defensively, and I'm sure our defense had something to do with it. But I'm going to quote Kim Mulkey. That's bad basketball. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're only scoring 24, 24 points. points, you know, you make your layups, make your free throws. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but still, we were going to win that game. Other, I mean, those were, you know, those were games we were expected to win. Yeah, absolutely. Then our last game of 2022 was unfortunately our first and um, first loss here in the regular season, which was against Michigan State. So that was up on the road in, in East Lansing, and we lost that one 78 to 83. Um, and that's the game where I think we really definitely felt the loss of Grace Berger. I know we we felt in, you know, close the close game against Illinois for sure, but this was one we definitely missed her in that game and with our first loss. But anything um, else? you remember from that Michigan State game that you want to kind of touch on the other thing that stuck out to me I think is was that the game we had like a cabillion turnovers yep turned it over <laughs> yeah. a ton turned it over a ton didn't rebound worth a darn and yeah. it was really the first time where I felt looking back on it that Michigan State game was one where you got a little bit of the sense that guard, penetrating guards athletic guards could give us a problem and and it showed yeah. up at state now i think we could have overcome it if we don't turn it over like 26 times 21 there we go i just right, pulled it I up 21 turnovers I yeah not much not by much yeah 21 turnovers for us they and we had 25 rebounds to their 26 so um but it, it should have been a lot more lopsided in our favor if you look at you know the talent we had compared to them so oh yeah thanks kirk what happened news in our chat as well <laughs> 21 turnovers yes <laughs> so 21 turnovers um, the only thing that I think was good there is Mackenzie Holmes really tried to put us on her back and she ended up with 32 points in mm -hmm. that game. Um, but boy, when you, you just turn it over that much, that's just something hard to overcome. I think. Yeah. Um, it, anything else on the Michigan state game? No, except that they were going to be a pain in the butt later on. 
Yes, they were <laughs> foreshadowing. Okay, so um, I'll group the next kind of two games together here. So um, first is Nebraska that we had to go into overtime at home to beat on January 1st. We won that one 74 to 62. And then we had the Northwestern game, and that one was important. That was up in Northwestern, but Grace came back and ended up playing 27 minutes, scored 16 points, and had five assists. Um, anything in either of those two games besides those two points that kind of uh, jump out to you? Well, the the Nebraska game at home was a game that I really felt was a tough game going in because Nebraska had some size and really felt like they might give us some issue. And that game ends up going to overtime. We end up winning by 12, but that's yep. 12, that's a 12 point victory basically in overtime. And so again, another tough game down the stretch. And that was going to be really the last game without Grace Berger. We didn't quite know at the time. We'd been hearing some rumblings after the Michigan State game that she was getting closer and closer to being ready. And we were a little bit surprised to have been some kind of unfounded rumors, but been some rumors out of Bloomington that perhaps she was going to play in the in the Nebraska game. And then she didn't, and we all kind of started thinking, mm, maybe she's still another week away or so. But then she, when we got to Northwestern, she's there. She played. Uh, I think we were all a little surprised how many minutes she played because I think we all thought she was going to be on yes, a little bit of a minutes restriction coming back. But, you know, as it went along, she really didn't seem to have any minutes restrictions. So um, with that. But, yeah, those two games, I just want to point out that that, that Nebraska game was an overtime game. Yeah. And the thing with the Nebraska one that actually I think really won it. So yeah, so we went to overtime, ended up winning by 12 and that's because we outscored Nebraska 12 to nothing in that overtime period. So if we remember, we held Nebraska to no points in overtime. So again, defense kind of coming back and, and helping us um, with that game. Um, okay. So then after the Nebraska game and then Northwestern, we then go um, on home against Maryland, who was at the time ranked number ninth, and we won that 68 to 61. Um, anything you want to touch on specifically with that Maryland game that jumps out to you? That's this is the one at home. Well, we only played them the one time. That was the thing. That's what made that game so big. Because at right. the time, at the time, we thought Maryland would be a team we were going to be battling with all the way to the end for a, for possibly a conference title. And that one game might, you know, if you since you're only playing them once, that that's a that's a tiebreaker. And so that that you really wanted to get that game. And and, and IU again continued to play well against Maryland. It was a nip and tuck game for the most part. Indiana played pretty well. We made plays, but it was what I thought was going to be. It was a good, you know, pretty much a top 10 battle like we thought would play out. I think it helped that we were at home. We had a pretty good crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And in that game, I think we were um, led again by Sydney Parrish with 18 points in that game and McKenzie Holmes right after that with 15. So, um, all right, continuing on then after um, we played Maryland at home, we had Wisconsin come in and played them at home and we won 93 to 56. And then we went on the road and played Illinois. And that was when Illinois was ranked 24th um, or 21st, depending on whatever you would like to pick for your um your rankings. And then we won that one on the road, 83 to 72. Um, anything jump out to either of those two games? Um, maybe the Illinois game. Just going to Illinois. Cause after we played them the first time and they had beaten Iowa, I think the week before in Champaign. So it was one of those that you had to take Illinois seriously. And, and the team went in there and they got the W and it didn't matter, but it was by one by 11, whatever it was going to be. It was just the fact you had to go on the road to Illinois at that point and get a win. And they did. Yeah. 
Yeah, in that game, again, we were led by McKenzie and Grace. So we had given our game ball to McKenzie and our, our hustle award to Grace. So McKenzie in that game scored 30 points for us. So um, just a monster game out of McKenzie, um, which is uh, kind of what we would have expected the first time around. Um, okay, then after Illinois, we um, go on the road now to, to Michigan, and we'll, maybe we'll group the next two together. So we had two really back-to-back -back games that were really tough, right? So we had, um, this is now, we're on January 23rd, we go up to Ann Arbor to Michigan, who is ranked 14th, won that one 92-83, and then come back home three days later and play Ohio State, who is ranked second, and we beat them 78-65. to um, So what jumps out to, the, to those games that from your memory? Um, I'm trying to pull up the box score. Here we go. Pulled up the yeah, box score. I'm trying it. to remember. Me too. Um, it's coming up now. Um, Sarah, first of all, Sarah Scalia lights out. Um, Sarah Scalia, yes. that was really that yep. first game in a long time. She had struggled through kind of the middle of December through that middle part of January. And she played 23 minutes, hit three of five from beyond the arc, seven of 10 overall, finished up with 19 points and really was a huge part of that game. In a game where we really were in control for the most part, we led by 10 at the end of the first quarter. We were up 10 at the half. Uh, we were up 12 at the end of the third quarter. They made a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter. But we get out of there with a nine-point win. I was I was ecstatic because I thought Michigan, even though they they had some injuries, they still had enough firepower. And being on the road up there really worried me. And we got out of there playing well. McKenzie mm -hmm. finishes up with twenty-five and ten. Uh, you had one, two, three, four. You had six players in double figures. Six players I mean, in it, double it, figures. Yeah. So, you know, that's that game. And then we get Ohio State in that next game. I'm going to kind of piggyback into that as well, Kathy. And I'll let you kind of yeah. follow up on the Ohio State game as that's well. The third quarter. But that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the game, though, where we do get the benefit of that third quarter. I'm trying to pull it up here. My computer. Yeah, we held them six points. Six to 27 in that third third quarter. So, yeah, 27 points for us, six for them in that third quarter. We just blew it open. So, yeah, yeah at the half we were – it was 36 to, what, 38, so a two-point game, yeah. and then just, just blew the doors off of them in that third quarter. We were down. We were down at the half. It was 36 oh, – it was 36-32. We were down – Oh, yeah, know, I uh, did bad math. <laughs> So we were down. It's a good thing I'm not an accountant anymore. <laughs> and but like I said, we go off on a 27 to six run. But the other thing with that though is you had you know 12 points, 11 rebounds from Sydney Parish, and, and with that, yeah. now again, we benefited from the fact that they did not have JC no, a healthy a healthy JC Sheldon in that game. And I think as we saw, she's coming, coming back. By the way. Yes, she's using just, her COVID year and coming back next year. So and yeah. and and that doesn't surprise me really, but it just no. I think we saw once you got to the Big Ten tournament, once we saw in the NCAA tournament, a healthy JC Sheldon made Ohio State a completely different team. Yeah, absolutely. And so we benefited from that. Uh, I'm looking here, you know, um, so yeah, like McKenzie said, then, had 26 in that game. Yeah, yep. so. and were they missing Shaklia Nova as well that game? No, that's the game she came back, but only played like 17 minutes. So okay. yeah, and she didn't play. Yeah, she didn't play well. 
No, uh, either if I three remember points, right. Seventeen, there's seventeen minutes and only three points. So, right. yeah, Mac definitely um, just shined in that game again. Twenty six points for McKenzie. Um, she had our, our game ball on that, and Sydney had our hustle awards. Sydney ended up with um, twelve points in that game, but eleven rebounds and um, and four assists in that game. I, I remember watching that. Um, actually, I was in Hawaii during both of those games, but I still recorded them and watched them in my hotel room. So, um, yeah, just that was a lot of fun. Actually, even though I didn't watch it live. Anything else on either of those games, the Michigan or Ohio State game? No, except I again I was, you know, I think the one thing we saw was that Cody McMahon was the real yeah, deal and she, she deserved to be freshman deal. of the year. Yeah, absolutely. She's she I had a lot of fun watching her in the tournament too. She's mm-hmm. just she's gonna be fun to watch the next what three years. Mm-hmm. Um as so then you have we Rutgers 91 to 68. We go up to Minneapolis to play Minnesota in set four and road to a slap arena and Purdue 69 to 46. So maybe um want to concentrate just a little bit on that Purdue game. So in that Purdue game, yeah. we had Chloe Moore McNeil who got our game ball and Sydney Parrish who got her our hustle award. Um yeah, and I thought I just remember Chloe just being an absolute animal in that game. <laughs> What I remember is no. What I remember is Sydney Parrish looking at the the student section at Purdue and giving it that yes. little like, you know, and just, you know, that's like I'm like that's an Indiana player on the road at Mackey Ranch. But yep. that's another one. But remember, it's we good. talked about kind of through the early part of the season, the non-conference schedule. They struggled in the third quarters a lot of times. They or at least had some sluggish starts. They go there. They're up thirty-one yeah. to twenty. They're, they're up thirty-one to twenty-six at the half, and then they come out and they just explode on Purdue. And we all loved it. I know I did. Yeah, nineteen. It was to a lot two. of fun. Nineteen, 19 to two third to two. quarter. A 38 to 20 second half rolled <laughs> rolled over your biggest rival on their own floor, and 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 just you know exactly what every IU fan wants in that game. And and like yeah. you said, we had four players in double figures. Another game where Sarah Scalia came off the bench and and chipped yeah, in 14, 14 points. points, four rebounds. She was three of four on threes. So again, she was starting to kind of find. I think I think it took her a while. I think she had a good yeah. start to the season and she kind of got in a slump and then it took her a while to finally get her footing back. And she really, and she had that stretch there in January where she really was a big contributor. Yeah, absolutely. Super glad she's confirmed again that she's coming back um, to Indiana next year. So happy, happy to have Sarah coming back. So yeah, she ended up with 14 points. And again, um, yeah, let's just repeat it one more time. 19 to two in the, th- the third quarter. And I think that's a great note to end on for that Purdue game. Yep. Um, and boy, we just, then we, we get to the gauntlet, right? Like we called it that when we, the schedule came out and we had that February gauntlet. Now we yep. started it here on the road with Purdue and then we finish up and then we'll talk about whichever game you want to go to next. Then we go at home, number five, Iowa, we win 87, 78 and the road to Ohio state who was ranked 13th at the time when 83, 59, at home against number 12, Michigan, win 68-52. Um, at home against Purdue, 83-60 win. And then on the road to um, Iowa, um, who is ranked six, and we know about the buzzer beater by Caitlin Clark. So which game do you want to start with? Do you just want to start well, with the first Iowa game? 
Yeah, let's start with the Iowa game. Actually, I'll just start with the first two, in my opinion, and just kind yeah. of put, lump those together. Because First of all, we saw that when the schedule came out, at home with Iowa, at Ohio State. And we figured both those two teams, yeah. along with Maryland, were going to be in that kind of bunch to win the league. And by that point in February, it really still was. Ohio State had lost a few. They were kind of, you know, they had, they were they were barely holding on to any hope for the race. But we could kind of put the nail in the coffin if we could go over there and win. But we had to take care of Iowa at home because you still had to go to Iowa as well at the end of the season. And that Iowa game, nip and tuck, 39-39 at the half. It was 19-19 at the end of the first quarter. We we were able to get a five-point lead at the end of the third quarter, and then it just was, you know, it, it was a battle all the way to the end because Iowa wasn't going to go away, and we ended up outscoring them by four in the third fourth quarter. Get out of there with that 87-78 win. You know, Mac had 24, but Grace Berger, 26 points, nine rebounds, uh, six assists, uh, two blo- um, or uh, excuse me, uh, one steal. You know, and in a game where yeah. uh, Clark had 35, we held uh, we we held Sonano to two, or excuse me, we held Sonano two. to six. You know, we held Sonano okay. to six. Uh, she had two assists, but she had six points. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the strategy they felt all along was that, it, you know, if Clark got her 30 and nobody else really could beat you. And I think that was part of what the plan was. And it worked out at least that night. Yeah. But that, game at Ohio so. State, that game at Ohio State went way better than I thought it was. Because I thought that return game was going to be a much more four or five point game. And we ended up getting out there with a 25 point win. Yeah, I, I, that one really was a big surprise for me. So, yeah, the Iowa game, um, again, yeah, we um, – Gabe Grace was getting our game ball in that one, not surprisingly, and Chloe Moore McNeil got our hustle award. Chloe, I thought, was just a really uh, instrumental again. She had 11 points, almost a double-double, 11 points, nine rebounds, and three assists in that Iowa game. Um, just a really overall nice performance from Chloe. And then, yeah, the the Ohio State game, I, Jace, uh, J.C. Sheldon wasn't back still – and um, that their their big girl was still out. Um, she didn't play at all. That was the, I knew that she wasn't in, in one of the games. So she was out. Two of their their main players were completely out for Ohio State. But still, didn't expect to go on the road and beat them by by twenty four points. That that was a huge surprise to me. And you know, again, led led by. Um, Mackenzie Holmes with 33, but Sarah Scalia came off the bench in that game and gave us 24 points that she just exploded six of eight, three point shooting and shot nine of 12 total from the the field. And, you know, that was just a, I thought one of, I thought, honestly, I think that was in my mind, one of Sarah's best games that she Mm -hmm. had all year. I I really do. So that's what sticks out to me in those two games. Um, Anything else on those two, or you want to talk about, um, you, a little bit, maybe the Michigan game. I was going to just um, quick, quickly hit the Michigan game again, a game where yeah. it allowed us to really kind of put a lock on the conference race. We still had to yeah. finish out the conference race, but that Michigan game was a game where I felt like we'd been, beat them up there, but they still had enough firepower. And we really, you know, for the most part, we were up, uh, we were up 14 at the half and we were up 24th in the third quarter. So really we're cruising along. If I remember right though, we had a sluggish fourth quarter and kind of let them get it back into about nine or 10, 11 in there. I, we all kind of felt like, eh. but we finished yeah, out with they a 60. Yeah, by eight in that fourth quarter. Yeah, 15 yeah, to but, seven. Yeah, but at one point I want to say it was my, maybe like 11 to two. I mean, they kind of made that little run, 12 yeah. to two, something like that. And we, we were able to finally finish out the game. But a 68-52 win, but um, I'll throw it to you just, you know, but really the game is the Purdue game. You know, the, really, you know, here's yeah, your chance the to, to lock up 
a, a, a share of the conference title uh, for the first time since first 1983. Yeah. Yep. And the first time we sell out a game. So um, that, that was a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. Yes. So we, we knew we had at a minimum, a share of the, the big 10 title in that game. And, if we win. Um, yes. If we win, of course. And then um, boy, and I think we won every quarter. If I remember in that, it was just a, to me, it was just a, a great game from beginning to end. Yeah, we outscored them, except for the second quarter. They outscored us by two. But otherwise, it was 20 to 15 in the first, 19 to 17, they outscored us, 27 to 12 again in that third mm. quarter. So again, not the, you know, held them to two points again like we did at um, up in Mackey, but 27 to 12, again, just exploding in that that third quarter. Um, and there we again, we were led by McKenzie Holmes with 20 and we had five people in double digits. So again, 83 points that we put up and held them to 60. So showing that we were good on both sides of the ball. Um, the other thing then that was important that happened that week was that Iowa got beat by, you know, just a little bit by Maryland. Um, and yeah, that came on the Tuesday up, after. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so right after that game was on a Sunday. Then that Tuesday, Iowa gets beat on the road at Maryland. Um, and that ended up sealing the the conference outright for us, which leads yeah. us then into the next game, which I actually went to with my husband up in Iowa city. Um, Iowa was ranked number six at the time. And, um, that was, that was an interesting one because actually Iowa game or ESPN's game day was at that game. So it was, yep. you know, obviously hype. They changed it from ESPN. ESPN two to ESPN regular, they changed the game time of it. So it could fit into that schedule. So there was definitely a lot of um, eyeballs on this game for sure. And I think it was ended up being one of the most watched on TV as well. In addition to the first Indiana Iowa game earlier in the year. So in that game, we ended up losing as we know on a, on a buzzer beater. And the thing that I remember, of course, the, you know, for those of you on TV, you just can't, I can't express how much that that atmosphere had to make some kind of a difference. But, you know, yeah. um, Iowa, I was definitely playing for a little bit more than we did, too. And we still gave them quite the run. I mean, it took a buzzer beater um, from Caitlin Clark. And I still think if the women's rules were different in terms of advancing the ball with a timeout, I don't think they win that game because they only no. had a second and a half left. So they don't win that game without that rule. Um or if Chloe Moore McNeil doesn't fall down or whatever, there's a lot of ifs in that game, but you know, overall I thought they battled in that game and that's mm -hmm. because they felt like they were, I mean, I'm not, they felt like, I think they were playing from behind almost the entire game. And that just showed that the women didn't care that there was quote unquote, nothing for them to play for. Right. Because that's what mm -hmm. so many people are saying. Um, they wanted to win that game. They didn't care if there was, you know, no number one seat on the line or conference tile anymore. They still wanted to go in and win that game. And that competitive spirit was still there. So that was, that's kind of my take on, on that game. What, what do you remember from it? Just a great game. I mean, it was yeah. the game we all thought when we saw the schedule come out and we talked during the preseason, it was everything except the fact that Iowa couldn't get a share. I mean, it was everything the big 10 had hoped for. They were hoping for that to be the last game of the last day of the season with the two best teams possibly in the league playing for the conference title. And that part didn't play out, but the two best teams, at least the one and two seeds in the tournament played out to where those two teams played one heck of a game and from a national TV audience. And they just, you know, they made one more play. I mean, it just is the way yep. it turned out. And, and, uh, but like you said, it was one of those that, um, just really was it, it felt like a heartbreaker just because of how much they had battled all day long as you said kind of battle from behind get back into a tie maybe get a small lead 
Iowa would take another run. We'd battle back and just kept battling back. And finally, we got the lead at the end and thought, oh, man, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here with this win. But I think it was also one of those, Kathy, and we talked a lot about this during the season, and we talked a lot about it you know, in the preseason, that we got to that point, and all of a sudden – I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but it was a game where we really only played six players. Uh, yeah. Sarah played 22 minutes – or 21-plus 21, 21 minutes – and then everybody else, the starters all played 33 or more. Uh, yeah, Lily played the other person off the bench, yeah. Yeah, and Lily, only, and Lily played three minutes. I mean, so it was one of those where I felt like, um, it's it kind of looking back, it's kind of like, I wish we still kept giving, you know, you know, we're going a little bit farther into our eighth and ninth, get Bargasser a few minutes, get, get Meister a few more minutes, maybe get a Sandvik another minute or so. I mean, it just, I, I just, it concerned me that all of a sudden we were back to a six player rotation. And I yeah. just was, you know, that was one of those that we talked about in the preseason that we just had to be able to play with a little more depth and, and, and I'm not saying it cost us that game, but it's something we saw as we kept going on through the next set of games. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. Let's go ahead and jump into postseason play. So after that, we get into a Big Ten tournament where we're matched up with a number nine seed in the tournament, Michigan State. We win that game 94 to 85. Um, boy, you know, that just game felt like a struggle to me again, like kind of similar to the first game. We ended up winning, you know, again, 94, 85. But I think it just it, there was the defense to me wasn't what I we had come to see from them. And that was also the game. I think we got quite a bit banged up as well. McKenzie got hurt in that game. I think that hurt us the rest of the year. Chloe Moore McNeil hurt her finger in that game. And it was just a really rough and, and physical game. And to your point earlier, I think it just showed again, we struggled with some of their more athletic guards that they had, um, specifically uh, McDaniel, who ended up with 32 points in that game. Yeah, and and then also is the game where Keandre got hurt. She only yep. played 13 and seconds, got hurt, hurt suffered a season-ending injury, basically. And again, had battled injuries, excuse me, all year long. Um, but yeah, the defense, they, they were lucky they were only down six at the half. It was 40 to yeah. 34 at the half, and they were lucky it was that close. It was, and I think we all kind of felt coming into that in the post-game show, like whoa i mean we'd been off but we and michigan state played the day before and i am a big believer sometimes that that buy yeah, isn't always helpful i'm not one to say you know I, i'm not saying i want to play five games to win the big 10 tournament but sometimes when you've played a game and you kind of get all you saw this with penn state's mint on the men's side they had they played they, and they just kind of felt that yeah they got on a roll um but we finally got locked in a little bit better in the second half but we still gave up 27 points in the fourth quarter we, we scored 35. I mean, that fourth quarter was, you know, it was a fast paced fourth quarter, but yeah. Yeah. That, that giving up 85 was an alarming number to a lot yes. of us who had followed this team all year long. Yeah. So with that win that got us to the next day of the big 10 tournament to the semifinals where we took on Ohio state 79, 75. I think that's a, another hard one for us to forget because we came out in that first half and we're up 46 to um, what 26 in that half. Right. And at one point we were up, I think by even more 13, 14, 15 points and um, Ohio state came out and just started pressing the lights out of it. And it just really seemed like we weren't prepared for that. Um, we didn't know how to handle it in Ohio Ohio State just really turned, you know, turned us down. Um, I think we were turning it over left and right in that second half. We ended up with 18 turnovers. Um, I don't remember how many in each half, but it was a lot in that that second half. Um, 
it was really that was the name of the game for him for me when I went back when I was watching it is that press that just seemed to surprise us and it um we just couldn't handle it. Um really a tale of two halves in that because that first half we handled Ohio State absolutely beautifully and then second half we could just fell apart. Yeah, and gave up 53 points in the second half. A lot of it because of the defensive pressure. They got 21 yeah. points off turnovers. Um, they got 40 points in the paint. They they had 20 points yeah. on the second chance. It was really the first game where we saw Mac was not 100%. And that became a concern that was there something more seriously wrong. She played 29 minutes, but she only had 12 and 5. I say only, but just because we'd gotten used to McKenzie Holmes giving us way more than that. But right. it, and so I thought that played a role, uh, just turned it over against the pressure. And we made some really bad decision making against the press. We dribbled into the sideline. We would dribble into a corner. We would leave a ball handlers. We didn't run people to the middle. I mean, just things that I thought were would have been simple things we could have fixed. And it was just like we panicked. And even Grace had a couple of really bad turnovers um, in that game. And, and they, you know, that we, I think one of them was where she tried to throw a pass length of the floor. And I thought the idea yeah. was good, but she sailed it. I mean, it was open. Right. She just Forest. sailed it out of bounds. And, um, but, but she also had 20 points and five, uh, five rebounds and six assists. So, but we just, and, and that's what I was talking about earlier. And we saw this in the tournament when Ohio state can get on a run and when they can score, and set up the press. And when you can score off the press and that gets you right back into it, it just becomes a psychological thing. And you'd like to think that a, a experienced team like we had wouldn't have that problem, but it just really was, I mean, it was one of those that we really just got behind in the second half with it. And, and, and like I said, it, it snowballed and it's just one of those things that happens in Ohio state with a healthy JC Sheldon. She only played 16 minutes that day, but she had 12 points and, 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 you know, and four steals. And so yeah. that to me, was a huge difference. And um, the Terry girl had 19 points and 12 rebounds. I mean, she was just absent and, and eight of those were offensive rebounds. We got out. Right. Re that was your big thing. We got out rebound. Well, we out end up out rebound them, but they had 13 offensive rebounds. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the NCAA tournament then. So we opened up NCAA tournaments um, against Tennessee Tech. Um, I thought we handled that one very easily. We won that one 77-47. So I don't really have a whole lot to talk about. thought we could just jump ahead to the Miami game. But did you have anything on the Tennessee Tech game you wanted to re rehash? Well, I don't want to rehash it, but I think we were all very concerned when Mac didn't play. And, and that yeah. they were holding her out for precautionary reasons because she'd already been resting basically for two weeks. They hadn't played since the Big Ten tournament two weeks before that. So I think we were all really kind of at that point really got concerned about Max health. And I think that came to show in the first half against Miami. She she did not play nearly as well in that first half as she ended up playing in the second half. I think she, to a certain degree in the second half, she was just like, heck with it. I'm just going to play through whatever pain I have. And she ends up right. with 22 and nine. But you know, we dug ourselves such, you know, we, you know, we were down uh, 12, if I'm doing my math right. Yeah, we're down 12 at the half. Yeah. And, and, you know, so yeah. we just really dug in. And, and I will say this, it's sometimes it's about matchups. And and I want to, I think, you know, in hindsight, I think the ACC was a little bit under-seeded in a whole. I mean, Louisville I ends up in, in Louisville ends up in the, in the final eight. Notre Dame got the Sweet 16 without their best player. Um, North Carolina, you know, basically played to their seed level. Um, 
and, and such. And, and, and Miami overplayed a little bit, but I think they were underseeded a little bit. Uh, and as a whole, I think maybe the ACC was underseeded a whole a little bit. And it's about matchups. And they were athletic. Yeah. They were physical. And, and we really struggled to contain, again, athletic guards who could do something off the bounce. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I don't really have anything else, Jeff, I guess, around the NCAA tournament, but anything as a whole we haven't covered on the season that you want to touch on and kind of maybe we can jump into our last thoughts um, from this point. No, not really. I just, you know, uh, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for Iowa, but obviously a Big Ten team winning would help a little yep. bit with the image of the league. And, and as we saw, <laughs> Indiana won a very tough league. Uh, and and I think we need to remember that, that even though it was a disappointing end in the loss to Miami, if we're going to be a team that's consistently a top five, top 10 team, we're going to get back to that point. And we're going to yeah. get back to that point, hopefully multiple times in a row. And you're going to bust through there. But you're also going to have some time, some years where you just kind of get that disappointing finish. And it just one night. I mean, if we played them another night, it might have been different. But it just that. But, you know, I, like I said, I think it was more about matchups. And I am looking forward. I really think that South Carolina, Iowa game almost really ends up being. Oh, I forgot about Virginia Tech. And we're talking about the ACC. Virginia Tech won the league and they're in the final four. So but I really think that South Carolina, Iowa team, the Iowa game really kind of the de facto national championship game. Yeah, I do too. Um, and no, I I will not be cheering for Iowa. Um, I hear enough of them being in Des Moines. <laughs> I don't need to hear any more about it. Um, <laughs> I think the Big Ten had a great showing. They had three of the eight in the lead eight. Um, that's enough for me. Um, <laughs> and we don't need to go any farther. Um, but no, back to us though, because this is about uh, recopying our women's game. And again, I just want to reiterate our women's team. Rather, um, I want to reiterate to everyone listening live or later. Um, don't again, take that Miami loss or how it feels like we finished the, the season, you know, a rough game against Michigan state, the loss to Ohio state, the loss to Miami, you know, the buzzer beat to Iowa. You, you need to look at the season as a whole. And it is a 28 to four, um, record 28 to four. We broke all kinds of records. We broke attendance records. We wrote viewership records on television. Coach Morin broke records from a coaching standpoint. We had players breaking records and, um, and, and this is just the beginning. I think this is um, something that we'll, we'll be able to springboard into next year. And I think, I hope anyway, that Miami loss will, will light a fire in their bellies for next year too. Right. We have a lot of the players coming back. We'll have future shows that we'll delve into, you know, who's coming back, the implications for that, who we might need to plug into some of those open holes that we have um, and find out once we hear more about the transfer portal. But I just want everyone to remember as a whole, the season was an amazing season and just look backing now, Looking back now on all of those games and kind of recapping, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of joy to watch. So that that's kind of my final thoughts, Jeff. But what what for you? What do you have? Well, I I want to second that, and and I also want to say that um, when you think about it, sometimes when you're a really good team, you you maybe play your best basketball early in the season, and you still win games throughout the rest of the season. Or sometimes you play your best in the middle of the season. And you still win games at the other parts of the season, but you, you really aren't playing your best. Uh, and then there are other teams who are really good, who find it at the end of the season, that last month, that last six weeks. And all of a sudden they're making that, you know, they're winning their league. They're winning their conference. They're going to, you know, deep in the tournament. And you're thinking, wow, what a year. 
for us, it was kind of the the first part. And we played well for really the first three, four months of the season, November, December, January, most of February. I don't want to say fatigue. I'm not going to try and use that as a reason, but I do think that we just somehow we lost our A game at the end of the season. And it wasn't so, and I don't want to blame it on any one game. It wasn't Iowa. It wasn't Michigan state. It wasn't Ohio state, but it's as a coach, you can't even explain it. Just all of a sudden you just, you've played so well throughout the course of a year. And all of a sudden you go to your B game or sometimes maybe in your C plus game, and you may still find a way to win, but it's going to catch up to you. And I thought that's what kind of happened in the Ohio State game, especially once that second half got kind of going the way it did. And I think Miami was that. I'm not saying we t- played terribly. We didn't play an F game. We just didn't have our A game like we'd had for the first yeah. 30 some games of the year. And that just happens. And, 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 and when it. we do that, and when you're in that kind of, you know, you know, let's play, face it, we lost in the second round. I get that. But there are going to be 63, 67 other teams all wondering why they didn't win a national title either. So, you right. know, so there's only one. There's be only happy. One. Be happy with what they've done and be happy with the fact that Terry Moore is continuing to build a program, yes. not kind of a one hit wonder. Right. And, you know, that's a good thing to remind us all of as well, that while we had big expectations and thinking we we, we had the caliber and we do to meet to the, reach the final four, you know, this team, this program is still learning that. Right. They're still learning about success in the postseason. And, you know, it's not like uh, we're not a Yukon or a Tennessee or a South Carolina who've had this kind of success year after year. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll learn from it. So I think a lot of again, a lot of these players are coming back next year and we'll learn from it. So. Um, let's move on then. We'll talk about real quick some programming notes. Um, I already did last call, so I kind of jumped around here. Um, so programming notes, Jeff is keeping us updated about all of our Hoosier alumni out in the community. Um, the ones that uh, the Hoosier alums that are playing pro basketball, you can find that in our private community if you're part of that, or you can find it on our Twitter feed. You can follow us at Twitter by searching for doing the work. Um, you can also check out our assembly call community page by going to assemblycall.com. Um, also, if you don't already subscribe to our crimson cast, also part of our back home network. And, um, you can also look for the Hoosian morning, morning after podcast that covers, um, another take on men's basketball there as well. Jeff and I are, um, still looking for sure for our next show, but we're tentatively thinking that we'll do one two weeks from today at the same time on April 12th. Um, and that's kind of what we have coming up. So, um, anything else, Joe, Jeff, it's last on your mind before we send us out of here. Um, first of all, talking about the pros, the the the, the alums, uh, the Lithuanian league, uh, Tyra Bus's season is done. They were they've already started their playoffs and they got knocked out in the first round. Quirky, it kind of like the soccer method over there with some of those leagues. Uh, they actually went one and one in the in the two game series, but they got bait out on a, on aggregate score or on point differential. So they were they got they got uh, they lost in the first round. They didn't move on. Uh, Amanda Cahill's team is playing in the Luxembourg playoffs right now. They were up one zero and were playing today, I believe, but I did not see a result from that game. The Spanish league with Alexa and Nicole is still going and they still got a couple more weeks from what I can tell. Uh, but it looks like Lex's team is going to make the playoffs over there. And Nikki's team is just going to kind of be in that 
dead zone, I guess, Will Frey. If you Again, if you follow European soccer, you know there's teams at the top that you know make the playoffs or get advanced to the next level. Teams in the middle kind of get nothing, and then you got your teams at the bottom that get relegated. And they have kind of the same thing in those women's leagues over there as well for the basketball. And then Jory Davis's team has really struggled over in Italy, and she's seen some of her playing time uh, go down here in the last three, four weeks. But uh, So, yeah, I've been trying to keep everybody updated, but those seasons are pretty quickly coming to a close over there in Europe. Because a lot of those players will come back here for the WNBA season. Not all, but but some, I should say, of those players overseas will come back for the WNBA season. So that's why they'll they'll start shutting down by the end of March, uh, middle April. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, we've been going here for over an hour, so I think we'll wrap it up then. So um, if you do want to, want to see us do the show live and be part of our live chat, you can subscribe to us at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also be part of our private community and join at assemblycall.com slash community. A special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our new logo. A big thank you to Bob Thompson for our new music that you heard earlier in the broadcast. And most of all, thank you all for those listening both live and after the fact. We're here for you, and um, we do this not just for Jeff and I to yap at each other. So we're really happy to have you all listening, and we will be back to talk IU Hoops again with you soon. But until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Hey, for our listeners, for our listeners, if they didn't see it earlier today, there was an emergency assembly call podcast because of Jordan uh, Peyton Sparks committing out of the portal. So if any of you want to oh, yeah. catch up on that emergency podcast with uh, with Jared and, and Coach Tom Sony, um, that that was earlier today. I happened to watch most of it live. So. But yeah, good show. And thanks, everybody, for being here again, yeah. you know, and, and expect us to be here on Wednesdays. Wednesday's probably the best day. Mm-hmm, most likely. So. so, all right, Jeff, I think I need to get out of here. So we'll say good night to everyone and yep. uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. So good night, everyone. See you, everybody.